The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and right out of the gate, we have some big thank yous for our Patreon supporters. If you haven't heard of Patreon, I'd like to remind you about our campaign. Patreon is a way for you to support content you believe in, like Typology, on a monthly basis. For as little as a dollar a month, you can partner with us to help us cover the cost it takes to bring this show to you every week. Just go to www.patreon.com forward slash typology and select the level at which you want to support the show. That's www.patreon.com forward slash T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y. And you will not only receive our undying love and gratitude, but you're going to get a bunch of great bonus content as well. Even a dollar a month, folks, is a huge, huge help. All right. Time to give a shout out to those of you who have contributed to Patreon already. So let's hear it for Madeline Gallagher, Thomas Finsky, Karen Hanna, Denise Hadley, Marianne Fisher, Christy Hamilton, Les Walters, D. Scott Neal, John Duman, Noel Warner, Angela O'Brien, and Amy Edge. Your contributions are all so greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Lastly, don't forget to go to iancron.com forward slash shop and get your Enneagram mugs and tees. That's I-A-N-C-R-O-N.com forward slash shop and get those Enneagram mugs and tees today. All right, that's it for me, Anthony Skinner. Let's join Ian in part two of our two-part series with author, pastor, leader, Darren Whitehead. If I were to go to your best friend and say, where does Darren get stuck? What do you think he, that person would say? Like, like, where do you, like, where do you get stuck? Well, um, I heard you having a conversation uh, on, on this podcast with Miles Adcox recently, right. who was, you know, sort of discovering that he was a three. Uh, I think I am like just classic three. Right. And so um, I am never too far away from the classic shadows of a three. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, and and they're, they're the things that I, I keep revisiting. So if you ask, right. if you ask John Tyson um, or my wife, you know, where does he get stuck? It's, it's going to continually be um, that I'm only as um, lovable as my last success. Mm-hmm. my most recent win. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that that has matured over the years. Um, as a, a man who's on our team at, at our church, um, who's, who's 70 years old and he's a therapist. Uh, his name is Jack. And um, he has given me sort of a, a framework that has been quite helpful about the, particularly the journey that a man goes on 
uh, over the different decades of his life. And the, the four different quadrants that he gives are warrior, king, sage, and lover. Mm-hmm. And it sort of correlates to King David's life. But loosely speaking, in your 20s to 30s, you're a warrior. In your 40s to 50s, you're a king. In your 60s to 70s, you're a sage. And in your 80s to 90s, you're a, you're a lover. The idea, obviously, is that 20s to 30s, you're trying to work out, do I have what it takes? Right. You're a warrior. You're trying to slay dragons. Right. Uh, in your 40s and 50s, if you successfully kind of move out of that era into the next theme of your life, you start to know who you are and you start to be more secure in who you are. Right. Um, then you move out of that into a sage where you're, you start to be thinking more about legacy and more about pouring into other people. And then beyond sage is just this, have you ever met, um, Eugene Peterson died just yeah, this week. Yeah, I know. You think Eugene Peterson is just your classic like lives in this space. Yeah. If, if if anyone spends time with him, you just have this sense he thinks you're awesome. Mm. Just has this big grin. You are a beloved child of God. Mm-hmm. And I just he thinks you're great. I think you're so great. And what what's interesting and sometimes sad is when someone does not successfully transition from one of those eras to the next. And so you have men in their 50s who are still trying to be a warrior yeah, and and they're still trying to prove themselves. They've right. still got this relentless drive and ambition. And you're just like, bro, where is this coming from? You got to get healthy. yeah, Or so, mature. Or mature, yeah. right. So I, I would say with me, I'm 44 years old. I'm now in this king era and I don't have the same insecurity that I used to have when I was in my 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. I'm not wondering if I can do this or is this what I'm supposed to do or is this what I'm good at? Like I actually feel more secure. And and some of the ways that I self-observe and my wife has has uh, mirrored this back to me as well. I think when I was in my 20s and 30s and there came a possibility to meet or network with interesting or impressive people, I just would like want to get in that space. Right. Now I don't really care. Hmm. And, and so my wife has said to me, it's really interesting to watch when there's important people around and you don't care anymore. And I think that some of that has just come from like, I'm, I'm just in a different era of my life now. Like I'm not in a warrior phase. I'm not on this hell bent drive to see if I've got what it takes anymore. Mm. I feel much more settled and at peace with who God has created me. I'm not sure if that's getting at what you're asking. No, it's a, it's a great one. I, I often wonder to myself if every decade of life uh, doesn't have a different question that begs to be answered. Sure. You know, so, you know, in your 20s, let's say, is am I adequate? And do I have what it takes to uh, not just manage life, but to 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 conquer, you know, whatever it is that is yeah. mine, what, you know, what's mine to do, whatever that is to do, you know, hang some skins on the wall. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and I, I would, I'd like to ponder more, be an interesting show sometime to have a couple of people on and say, okay, what are the questions that define every decade of your sure. life? You know? Yeah. Um, but I do think, yeah, I mean, at 44, you're kind of in this funny synapse or you're in this zone too of, I think also there's some existential questions that change, you yeah. know, um, not just professional questions, right? But which is what, you know, these existential questions are, are the ones you're alluding to, right? Which are, you know, uh, less about uh, issues of adequacy 
and more about issues of um, uh, resolving who am I and and um, coming to some resolution after a long time yeah. of, of trying to find that person. Which is hard for a three, though, man, because twos, threes, and fours, the whole identity thing is so gigantic. Right. It's the fear of not having one or one that's unstable. Right. I mean, to really start to believe that there's someone behind that projected mask of, you know, yeah. stardom. Yeah. That's a pretty spooky journey. You know what has helped puncture that for me? Oh, I love that you used the word puncture. Did you hear that? <laughs> I yeah. love that. What, I was looking for a good word in a sentence. What has helped me is actually seeing friends and other people that are in my kind of role um, hit a wall and collapse mm -hmm. whether it be really public or private or whatever yeah. often people in my role this ends up being quite public and then asking myself the question am I on the same trajectory and am I am I on a road where I am going to collapse under the weight of the thing that I'm building too at some point because I sincerely don't believe I'm smarter, godlier, stronger character. Like, I, I don't think that I'm, I'm, I'm better than any of these people. Um, I remember this is uh, several years ago. This is probably three years ago. Uh, another fairly high profile pastor had had a moral fall and, and was no longer in his position. And, you know, in, in many ways sort of went into hiding and shame. Right. Um, and he was a friend and I just was sad and I was wondering about, is this going to happen to me? And I, and I went to see a therapist about it because it sort of just catalyzed this in me. And, um, and he looked at me and he said, well, this is not um, the totality of what you're asking for, but let me, let me say something that I, that I think would be important for you to hear. He said, there's a difference between two words, with and for. As a pastor and as a leader and as a Christian, you must only be about doing things with God, not for God. So you can build a lot of things. You can do a lot of stuff. But if, if, if the Holy Spirit is not leading you in these things, if he's not guiding you in these things, then you're doing things for God. And, and really the, the spirit behind all of that is earning God's approval again. Yep. And, and in that moment, I thought, I have got to spend the rest of my life being someone that is only doing things with God and not for God. Now, as, as simplistic and as grandiose as that is, I actually took a great deal of comfort in those words. It sort of gave me a bit of a mantra mm -hmm. to repeat to myself, particularly you know, a, a three and a three in the United States and a three in this kind of space. Um for a three to be healthy, I think, and maybe this is just me, but for a three to be healthy, it requires turning down really great things. Oh, give me an example of that. I can't give you an example. And I mean, then, it's, and, it's, then, it's, and then pass them my way. <laughs> Let me take, no, the, I mean, it's, take it's, the crumbs off your plate. It's, it's <clears throat> turning down. It would be obnoxious for me to give you examples. Well, I'll make up one. You get a speaking date offer at some place. Really, yeah, no, really no, great. It's, a, it's, it's a speaking gig. It's a, um, it's a, it's a speaking gig that is really going to put me over the edge in exhaustion and neglect my family right. and try to do too many things. You know, um, it's, it's, but it's, it's not saying no to crappy things. It's saying no to great things. Right. It's saying no to things that, would, that look 
beautiful and redemptive That's and good. you know right. so um my wife you know you you were talking about doing intense therapy over an extended period of time my wife and I took a week over the summer and we and, and we went to see a, a therapist um and it, it wasn't rehab but it was prehab that was a term that miles gave me once i love that term oh i love that <laughs> so we we had prehab we're not in crisis but you know we want to like keep having awareness of our emotional dials and how we're doing and all that. So we spent five days together. And was, it, was it like a one-on-two? Like a, like one it, therapist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One therapist with us. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. And, and it was every day for five days. It was the most unenjoyable week of the summer and the most important. Okay, now hold on. Okay, now I'm fascinated by this. Okay. <laughs> so it was the least... Say that again. It was the most unenjoyable week right. of the summer. All right, come on now, share. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like it, we weren't at the beach. We're sitting in like this stoic office with lots of browns in the in the Uh-oh. on the walls, and, and we're just sort of talking, you know. And every morning, I got up going. Ugh. How many hours a day were you doing? Uh, we did two sessions of three hours a day. Ooh. Wow! So we did six hours a day. And then we had a lunch in the middle where we just sort of kept talking about the themes. Uh, I mean, there were there were moments of laughter and fun, and and what was great about it is is the therapist helped us to distill the week's worth of discussion into like ten statements, mm. and and one sort of almost That's like good. mantras, you know, and like and one of the statements was, <clears throat> "We have been living at hundred and thirty percent for twelve years," mm. and. We've been trying to squeeze 130% of commitment into, into obviously, 100% that we all have, into our schedules, into, and we're always running behind. And um, we need to be living at 80%. We need to have margin um, for life, for crisis, mm-hmm. for all of, all of these kind of things. But that meant, coming out of that as well, to live at 80%, uh, I got to say no to some things that in, in one sense from a little boy from a country town in Australia, I'm turning down things that are like dreams. Like, can you believe so-and-so wants me to come and speak or I get to work on some project or, or, or whatever it is. And I'm just saying, that's not the right thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's a question though. Will people let you live at 80%? I'm not talking about you and your wife. Yeah. Okay, but you have a, you know, you're, you know, we're all kind of, you know, we've, we all, in our different numbers, we train people to respond to us in certain ways. Right. They become, for lack of a better term, de- reliant, sometimes addicted on yeah. our being a certain type of person yeah. that they've come to know and yeah. treasure. So you've got a church here of six, what, 6,000 people on a weekend? Yeah. Okay, you got 6,000 people out there with different ways of seeing you, understanding you, the church, life, whatever. You have trained them, if you're a three, yeah. to expect you to live at 130 miles an hour at supersonic speeds that beat everybody else in that room. What's going to happen if they say, you know, will they let you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> will well, your board let you? Well, you know, that's that's pretty intense. So so you're asking, you, you, you're drilling down into the trenches. And so let me give you a specific answer. I took a sabbatical this summer. I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. And I took two and a half months and I wasn't here at all. And that did all kinds of things in me of, you know, like what am I going to have when I get back? Will I even have a job? You know, I was right. yeah, yeah. terrified that, you know, for, for a couple of months I was not achieving or performing or 
but again, some of this, like watching other people crash, I'm like, yeah. I have got to crack this code so it's sustainable for me for a long period of time. Right. And are most of those others threes, you think? What's that? The, the people you're thinking of that have crashed, are most of them threes? Uh, many, threes and eights. Threes and eights. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the typical big yeah. senior parts, senior yeah. parts over a large church. Eights who think they're invincible. Yeah. yeah. Right, and uh, threes who think they're, you know, they got to keep it rolling. Right. So, um, I don't want to build something that is personality centric. Right. It's got to be bigger than that. It's got to right. be multiple people. It, I've been a part of things that are way bigger than this. And so this is not, you know, this is not doing in my heart what I thought. Oh, now I'm like, I've right. got a big church mm-hmm. and like now I'm just at peace and I'm like, you know, and, and so then what's the number? Is it 7,000? Is it 15? Is it? It's no number. It's no number. It's, it's, we've got to be healthy and, and, and be at peace with who God's created us and what He's called us to do and be using our gifts in a way that are sustainable and healthy. And that's what I'm on that journey to try and find that. What that's going to look like for me is taking a break over the summer. Right. And I'm, my plan is to do that every summer. Right. Where, and, and and beyond that, get people that come and 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 fill our pulpit, who are better than me, right. who are really good. Mm-hmm. I want that because I don't want, I don't want people to be going. You know, when's Darren getting back? You know, I want actually things to thrive while I'm gone. But right. even more than that, like, I want I want it to be great, right. I, and, and I want people to be exposed to to people who are more gifted than me in different areas right. and. And, and all of that. So that's been, I've never done that before. That is what's happened in the last six months. Right. And it's been really, really good for me. How have people responded to it? Surprisingly well. I, I get, I've, I've been insecure. Like I've been insecure where people are like, well, must be nice. You know, right. like you go and take a break. You know, I don't get to do that. Right. Like, How do you feel when they say that though? Kind of how I would feel. Like in the moment, I can know. I feel shame. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm a driven guy. Right. Like this is this is going upstream for me to take time off. Right. So and you feel vulnerable. When, I feel like, vulnerable. Like, I feel okay? like Am I, I okay? feel like right. people are going to walk into church and go, "Dang it, he's not here again." Right. Like. Right. Yeah. Yep, are yep. we are we going to keep tithing? Right. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. He needs to earn his money. Right. Like that's what plays in, in in my head. Right. The vast major majority of, of people. Right. The vast majority. Like 99.9% of people are going, thank you for doing that. Thank you for modeling that. Mm-hmm. And and we see you wanting to do this in a sustainable way so that you're doing this for decades, not, mm-hmm. you know, weeks or months, you know. All right. I'm back. Well done. Thank you. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... You're, we were just talking about thousands of people. And of course, at Willow, you know, was that 25,000 people a weekend? And then, you know, here. So, yes, you've been part of bigger things. And we've, right. you know, spoken in you know, large rooms to whatever the applause we, we, uh, we get. But you threes love metrics. And yeah. here's one thing I know about ministry. I mean, you know, I've been a pastor in, you know, over a decade. But, um, and n- nor do I think I'm particularly gifted at it. I mean, that's, you know, it's not my thing, you know, uh, really. Um, but there are no metrics. 
I mean, that's the thing that drove me a little crazy about ministry because I work with nothing but Wall Street people. Right. And, you know, I actually say to them, you know, okay, so at the end of every quarter, you all can look at a P&L or you can look at your bonus or your sales or whatever, and you know the metrics of success or failure. What are mine? How, like, you know, if it was time for compensation conversations, you know, for me, sure. I'd be like, on what basis will you decide that I should make this amount or that amount? You, what are the metrics you're going to use? So, so how hard is it for a three to work in a place that where there are no quantifiable measurements you can use to determine success or failure? Well, I would disagree with your assumption. I think there are metrics; they're just wrong. Okay, the, good. The, yeah. the metrics are attendance and financial giving, right? Um, and and in some circles, maybe baptisms as well, salvations. Um, so, so there are metrics, but they're not metrics that are. Uh, congruent with what the actual Great Commission is, right? You know. So, what are the right metrics then? Well, listen, the, listen up. The, the, the right know. metrics are, are very, very difficult to to quantify. Right. Um, I think spiritual growth. I think um, disciple making. Um, right. I I think, and and they're very difficult right. to, to to pin down. I I think that. I think. Uh, metrics of of salvations, people that are coming to Christ, are are important metrics. I think people attending church is a is a is an incomplete metric. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think that much of the American church, particularly American mega churches, they're not incorrect; they're incomplete. Mm-hmm. And and so there's got to be more. There's sort of an absence of of going deep. And there is a, a prevalence of going wide, and we applaud people with large churches, and 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 people that are perhaps maybe even being more faithful to disciple making, right? Uh, are, are less recognized right. and applauded. Yeah, I, 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 again, I mentioned only because threes, man. We, yeah, we just love them some <laughs> metrics, right? You know that point to success, and I always think to myself. There are certain fields, like whether it could be in psychology uh, or in, you know, there there are just fields where things can't be measured. Sure. And you you have to live off of an entirely different sort of reward basis, you know, or in, in some, to incentivize, you know. And and it seems to me, you know, uh, you're, you're, as a pastor, you're always kind of a, you know, especially as a three, you're, so much of the metric is in the moment, looking in someone's eyes and, and wondering, am I, am I in this moment, yeah, winning your approval? So like when someone comes right. up and says, "Where you been?" You know, kind of this, you know, taking a lot of breaks, you know, right. and, and part of your sinks inside, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like reflexively, right? It kind of sinks, and man, I just feel like it's <laughs> it's just. First of all, I remember. Did you know? Did you meet Peter Drucker when you were at? No. At, well, was he already dead by then, or? Is he dead? I think he is gone, right? Isn't Drucker gone? Peter, if you're not dead, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You got to look that up. (laughs) He's got to be really old if he's still alive. Listens every week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, he's got to be 100. I mean, look him up. Look up Peter Drucker. He's such a famous business uh, expert. But I I remember him saying one time uh, that the three hardest jobs in America were the president of a university the uh head of a hospital and the pastor of a church larger than 300 Hmm. and the reason was is you have as i understand it you have all these constituencies 
all of whom think their agenda is the most important. So true. Right? So at a hospital, it would be you got the surgeons, you got the patients, you got the patrons, you've got the you know nurses, you got, uh, you know, at a university, gosh, every department has divas, and the history right. department thinks it's more important than the class. And then you got the alumni and the fundraising and the students, and right. everybody's chewing on your heels. Same thing for a pastor, right? Yeah. You've got multiple constituencies, and, and let's face it, right? And this would drive anybody crazy, but everybody brings drama, their dramas to church. Whether right. they don't know it or not. Right. And it's all getting projected around the room and yeah. usually on you. Right. Right. So, you know, if I got a, if I've had a, you know, I could be a 48 year old guy who, you know, has decided to work out my dad's stuff with you. Yes. Because if I did it at work, I'd get fired. Right. And if I did it at home, I'd have to get divorced. But here, all I got to do is throw five bucks on the plate and right. I can work out all kinds of weird stuff with exactly. you and the church. Mm. I mean, as a three, I mean, that's like to me, uh, that and the fact that you have all these pools of people wanting, clinging, clawing politics sometimes. I don't know if that's an issue here. Um, is he right? I mean, do you think Drucker's right? I mean, is it, it is pretty crazy here, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a difficult job. Yeah. It, uh, you, you never get you never get caught up. You never like. And for this week, I'm done. I'm all caught up. And I mean, you right. never do. There's yeah. always there's always more to do. Right. Um. And yeah, I mean, you, you you're constantly plagued with uh, a sense of uh, people projecting either their their transference of uh you know particular male authority figures onto right. you, right? Positive or negative. Yeah. Or they're bringing in what they believe is the most important value that a church should be about. Right. And so whether it is, you know, about compassion and justice in the world, it's about uh, racial reconciliation, it's about worship, it's about Bible study, it's about, um, you know, disciple making, you name it. They sort of come in with a bias and a hierarchy of values and they're looking to see whether their values matches what this church is. Right. That's the challenge. All right. So one of the hardest times of the week for me, I'm a four, but I have a th- pretty strong three wing. I have a heavy three. Yeah. One of the hardest times of the week for me was the, after I sp- was uh, finished speaking, mm-hmm. immediately after when I walked off the podium stage, wherever I happened to be, and I got what I call hungry eyes. Uh <laughs> Where I started to look around, it's just so reflexive, like, and almost as though I'm looking in everybody's eyes asking the question, do you love me now? Yeah. How about now? Was that it? Is it was that enough? Uh, and, you know, do you, did you ever do that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's natural for anyone who does public speaking to want to have a sense of did this work or not? Or is, you know, was, was right. this good? Um, I I typically feel, you know, because because message prep for me is hard work. Right. Uh, Not if you just steal it off the internet like I do. Right. <laughs> I mean that was so easy. Well, I, I will know. say I will say you know I, I, <laughs> I I've, I've 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 traveled and done the same message in multiple venues night after yeah. night and and that's not difficult at all for me. No, right, yeah. But. You know, all new content, all new insight, all new stories. Like, so I often feel at the end of a Sunday when I'm done, oh gosh, I got to do this again in six days. Yeah. <laughs> just oh, like, oh man, it just, oh, I'm so tired. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and of course the pressure is ratchet. It's so hot, you know. The internet has kind of ruined it for it has, you know. Yes, just the the fact that you can hear great speakers at, at any moment, and then you know you're compared to mm-hmm. the best, you know, the best yes. all day long. You yes. know, well, I was listening to this podcast on yeah. the way in by so and so on the route to hear your message, right? Which apparently fell far short right, right, of right, my right, expectations, right. given yeah. that I just listened to you know whoever. Yeah, I you're a. I enjoyed your message on Matthew 5. You should have heard Tim Keller speak on that. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really liked your version of Hey Jude. You should hear Paul McCartney sing it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh my exactly. gosh, that is so painful. Yeah. Well, I want to wrap up, but I, but I, uh, circling back to the hungry eyes thing, because I'm actually just actually vetting experiences that I had, mm-hmm. right? But something I've noticed about threes um, that, not so much with you, but I can think of many others I've had this experience with. Um, oftentimes, I'm talking about male threes now. Yeah. Um, I always say to my wife, look, he's got the lost boy look. Hmm. It's this, there's this always, there's something in the eye of a three. I'm not fooling you. Where I look him in the eye and there's this, they could be 40, 50. And there's this sort of an innocent, hmm. um, very fragile looking boy in the eyes that's looking back at you um, as if asking the question, do you see me? Yeah. Is it, am I, uh, and it's a very tender look. It also tells me sometimes that they're either in that moment in a vulnerable place or they haven't done much work yet because the boy is there yeah. in the eyes. Um, yeah, how does that land for you? Is that a truth, or is that am I or am I not seeing? Am I seeing something that's not there? You know, the four in me is kind of looking at two. Oh, inside. I definitely think that that is there. I feel more at peace with that than in my forties than I did in my twenties and thirties. Now, you could argue that's either because I've done work and I'm healthy, or you could argue that there's some element of public success about what I'm doing right now. So I'm like, right. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's, You're not on the hunt as much. Right. So, and, and, right. And, and who knows? Maybe only God knows how how I am in terms of health regarding that. Right. Um, but no, I, that is absolutely true. I, I, and, I, and I think that the real tender part of a three is, it's, it's funny, I've heard you describe this before, but like how a three intuitively is like picking up on so many oh, signals and, oh, yeah. and like, what do I need to be to win in this environment? And what do you need? And what do you need me to be? Right. And what do you need me? And, and, it, and it's, it's not even conscious. It's powerfully mm-hmm. subconscious. Oh, yeah, right. totally, totally. Um, but the root of that is, am I lovable? Mm-hmm. You know, do I matter? Am I lovable? Is it like... And, and so there are all these masks that are put on to, to try to even false love is better than perhaps the fear of not being loved. Right. Yeah, I had mm. somebody, I had a young guy uh, years ago on a, on a podcast interview asked me, well, if you, if you had to boil the, the, the Christian message of the gospel down to one sentence, what would it be? And I'm thinking, oh my God, <laughs> wow. You know, that's a, that's a tall order, kid. You should be paying me for this podcast. Uh, but I just said, we're loved. Hmm. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Everything else is editorial. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I know there'll be yeah. a lot of people, I'll probably get 30 emails from people saying, it's not quite all of it. You right, know? right, Or right. it's like, no, but I think that basically is it. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't obviously mean that in that sentimental kind of facile way. It's like when I say we're loved, I mean um, that there is a, um, a powerful, and you know, I'm actually going to say something more. 
I'm going to go a little deeper out. Um, we're not just loved by a, a paternal God, but a maternal God. Hmm. And I think sometimes that's a little missed, hmm. if that makes sense. Hmm. You know, we, um, um, that there's a mother and father love to God. It's whole. It's, hmm. it's this beautiful holding and challenging and, you know, and I, I don't know. There's something about that notion. It's like basically everything else after that is commentary for me. I'm not saying for you, but yeah. in the gospel. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, man, this has been wonderful. Always love any, it. Any any final any final things you want to say? Words of wisdom you want to impart to us? Oh man, you know for for all the threes that are listening, and and whenever you have a three on typology, I'm always, it's always the first one I listen to because I want to hear my people and, right yeah <laughs> and, and and feel a fellowship in the uh, yeah in the grind and the struggle and the recovery. Um. I think I mean I would definitely encourage threes to uh, be reading as much about what a shadow side and a healthy side of a three looks name like. Name a book, name a book or a resource they should read. I mean, I'm sorry to say the road back to you. I don't really want to continue. Yeah, here, please, <laughs> please. Uh, <laughs> I I mean I I think that that's that's fantastic. Um, I tell you one book that really got to my threeness that uh, was like open heart surgery for me was a book by Tim Keller called Counterfeit Gods. And it's, uh, it's all about money, sex, and power. Right. And how, you know, we, we clearly try to find our longing and fulfillment and value in money, sex, right. and power. And I tell you what I felt when I read that book. Not shame and not guilt, but silly. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Like silly right. that I am trying to find my longing and and quench my thirst right. in these things mm. that that right. will not quench my thirst. Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's right. it's Jesus alone. Right. And so, um, I, I would definitely recommend that book. Good one. That's a good one. Well, Anthony, speaking of books, Darren's got a new book out. We want to give a shout. Oh my out gosh! For. Of course. Yeah. You have a new book. Yes. This is Holy Roar. R-O-A-R, Holy Roar, uh, Chris Tomlin, Darren Whitehead, seven words that will change the way you worship. You want to tell, tell us about it. What is this? So this, this is really one of my life messages, and it really came out of my own story. Um, I had a very um, unemotional kind of a Christian experience as I was growing up, <clears throat> and um, I... I was exposed, invited to a church where they really started. They were they were expressing their love for God with great enthusiasm, and I was partly repelled by the whole scene, and partly drawn in as mm. well. And that began something brand new in me, where um, just the act of worship, the act of singing, the act of adoring Jesus brought something that was like ushered in something that was brand new in my in my christian experience in my life mm. and this book is about the fact that the word praise in the psalms there are seven hebrew words that are all translated in english to the word praise but all seven of these mean something slightly different so we learn more about what praise actually means by studying each of the seven words. One of the words means to lift your hands. Another word means to be on your knees. Another word means to sing a new song. Another word means 
to to sing, to worship, and thank God for that which you have received, and thank God for what you have not yet received. So they all mean something slightly different, and it's been quite transformative for me. And um, Chris. Tomlin and I have been touring together and, and sharing that message. And you've been singing with Chris, right? <laughs> I've been singing badly. <laughs> Writing no, songs, I've been, singing. Did you... I've, I've been speaking. I, I'm staying in my lane. <laughs> okay, how great would it be, though, if you came out one night without telling anybody with your guitar on, your little Yamaha, <laughs> and you said, Chris, hold on a second. I, I just have, I like got to close my talk. Here. I got a little something going on. I got I just, an idea yeah. I'm working yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Michael, row your <laughs> yeah, boat exactly. ashore. Hey, everyone, here's one you might know. Sing back. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> or you could do an In Excess song. Exactly. My people. Bring the Aussies. Yeah, come on. Come on. Darren, thank you so much. Anthony, another week. Another, another week. day. And well you know we're, you know what we're going to do this afternoon because I have a couple hours free, That's right? right. It's our day off. What are we going to do? We're going to go... Floating spa. Float spa, baby. That's right. In the pod. We called it. So awkward. We're going to cash in on our new uh, membership. Yeah, I can't believe you joined it. I did. I can't believe you joined it. (laughs) That is amazing Uh, to me that you you joined a float spa after floating in a probably a virus-filled tank. For an hour. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We uh, we deeply appreciate you. Remember the words of the great Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. Next week, folks. <laughs> <laughs>